know, we can't just, you know, try to block a device and think that, oh, it's good, it's taken care of. And I literally have some parents who are like, you know, oh, my kids, they can't get on a device at all. They, I've blocked them at the router level. I've blocked every device <laughs> in the house. I, you know, and they sit there and they go through all the technology stuff. I'm talking some nerdy dads wearing Star Wars t-shirts that are telling me how well they blocked it. And I always just ask that nerdy dad, I say, hey, so um, do you ever let your kid outside? Do they, ever, do they ever leave the dungeon or are they chained up? You know, it's like, oh, they do leave outside? Oh, they go to soccer practice, that's cool. So what's gonna keep their friend from coming up and going, hey, check this out? You know, do you block your kid's friend's devices? Is there a drone flying above your kid's head that zaps their friends with lasers if they walk up with a device within? Well, that laser zapping drone sounds good to me. How about you? <laughs> Today, we're tackling the subject on the Practical Family Podcast of devices and not just protecting our kids from dangerous things on the internet. I mean, that is, of course, important, and I've done other episodes about that as well. But today, specifically, Jonathan McKee is our guest, and he's here to talk about how and why it's important to have real conversations with our kids about tech, about the tech that we probably put in their hand or the tech that we're wondering someday if they should have. There are these boundaries and limits. Everybody seems to have an opinion about how we need to handle this situation, but I think taking it one step at a time and digging down to the root of, of the why behind um, how we, we can handle this effectively with our kids. And parents, this is this is a great conversation. I mean, it's lighthearted. Um, Jonathan was was so easy to talk to, and I think you'll really enjoy listening to him. Before we get into the podcast itself, I want to remind you that Practical Family has a Patreon page now. So if you have benefited at all from the topics and guests and special series that we produce here regularly and now on a weekly basis, please consider being a patron. And that means just giving whatever amount you're comfortable with. I actually have tiers over on our Patreon page. If you go to patreon.com backslash practical family, you'll see some fun ways that you can be part of our giving and support team and some of the benefits that you get with being a certain level of, of patron. And so I just appreciate you because, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you have prioritized family learning and, and family inspiration and time into your day and into your life. And that means that you're a growing person. You have a growth mindset. You're the kind of parent who wants to be educated and inspired at the same time. And that's what I love to do. I love to help other parents. And so thank you again for being here and a part of our podcast. So as we get into today's topic, I just want to introduce you real quick to Jonathan McKee. He is the author of more than 25 books, including The Teen's Guide to Face-to-Face connections in a screen-to-screen world. He also wrote, If I Had a Parenting Do-Over, and of course, the Amazon bestseller, The Guy's Guide to God, Girls, and the Phone in Your Pocket. He speaks to parents and leaders worldwide, all while providing free resources for moms and dads on his website, becomingscreenwise.com. Jonathan has over 20 years of experience with youth ministry and family research, which has taught him that parents need to connect with their kids just as much as they correct their kids. That it's safe, loving conversations about screen use that will set kids up for a lifetime of good decisions and habits. So here we go, episode 111, 
how to equip your kids to be wise with technology. All right, welcome back to the Practical Family Podcast. I would like to introduce to you my special guest, Jonathan McKee. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Jonathan, I was so excited to see your name come through my inbox because I had saved your name in different places um, because of other books that you've written. I know we're here to promote one particular book, but you've written many others. One in particular is called The Guy's Guide to God, Girls, and the Phone in Their Pocket. And that one has blown up on Amazon, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, it seems like the Christmas gift and Easter gift and grad gift for young men uh, to try to get them reading some good content. So I love it. I love it. And you have uh, been in family ministry for a while. You 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 seem to specialize in teenagers and technology and social media. What what did that? Where did that come from? Why is that a part of your your ministry now or background? Yeah, yeah, been in youth ministry. Uh, basically in my third decade kind of of youth ministry, starting in full-time, then became a volunteer uh, as I was going and speaking around. But uh, I mean, just as I was working with teenagers, um, even, I mean, starting back in the 90s, uh, it was amazing how much technology was on their radar and the entertainment media that they listened to. But of course, back then, it wasn't something that they carried around in their back pocket in a little device, you know? So it's been interesting to see that change over the years from the 90s to the 2000s to all of a sudden post-2007, once there was an iPhone out and all of those different sources of entertainment media where young people used to have like four devices you know, also now one device that did it all. Uh, so it's been interesting how that's changing. And I've been walking with parents through a lot of those changes and uh, trying to, you know, provide them good information to help young people make good entertainment media decisions and help parents be able to find that balance between uh, bonding and uh, boundaries with their kids. Mm, bonding and boundaries. That's so important because you talk about connection over correction, right? And so how can parents take for those practical steps to get between their kids and their device without being overly controlling about it? Yeah, no, that, that, that's a really good question because, and that's, that's really the tough one because once kids get a device and I I say kids, I mean, I mean, man, kids are getting devices so much younger, uh, you know, especially now that schools are even, you know, giving kids devices supposedly for for schooling, you know, but I'm sure kids are so excited about their history and their math homework on their device. They're not excited about YouTube or TikTok, um, <laughs> but uh, it's amazing how, uh, you know, so many parents are faced with this dilemma of, you know, okay, uh, you know, I, my kids on a screen all the time. And, and how do I, you know, do I say no? Do I say, you know, uh, too much? Uh, you know, do I let them have it in their bedroom? Do I not? And there's all these different issues. And so often the focus ends up being that correcting, that almost that nagging, that stop. Uh, how much screen time did you spend today? And uh, parents sometimes forget about the all important connecting. And um, when you got to correct your kid, uh, one of the reminders I just talked with parents about is make sure that you're um, connecting with your kids before correcting. Make sure that you're not just constantly that that drill sergeant, that that voice of discipline in their lives, but that you have that relationship with them. Because I mean, that old saying is true: rules without a relationship just lead to rebellion. Oh, that's yes, that's a good reminder for sure. Now, 
what would you say then? And I tend to ask this of every uh, one who talks about screen time. You know, parents are always concerned about the appropriate age for kids <laughs> to get a phone. How, how would you encourage parents about how to think about that idea as their kids get older? Yeah, the phone's kind of a unique screen. I mean, lots of times kids will end up getting a laptop or even a tablet, but that phone is that one that fits in their back pocket. It, you know, it's got a cell signal. And so a kid can go out in the middle of the field or in the bathroom or wherever they want with that device. And um, and most experts out there are, especially now when you start talking, are, are, are not, you know, in favor of just throwing your eight-year-old a phone right away. And a lot of parents, you know, you're feeling the pressure um, because your kids are coming home and saying, all my friends have phones, right? All my friends are having phones. And sometimes it feels like that. I, I was volunteering in a middle school a um, little over a year ago, and I would go in and I was, and, and literally it seemed as if all the kids there had smartphones. I, I mean, and statistically, only about 72% of them were supposed to have smartphones. But I mean, it was rare finding a kid without one. So the pressure was on. And, and even if kids aren't at a school with other kids, like a public school or, or so, let's say they're a homeschooled kid, um, you know, if they ever leave the house, if they go to sports, if they go to church with their friends, very often kids are with, you know, their friends who have phones. So all of a sudden now, you know, mom is getting the pressure from their eight-year-old, from their 10-year-old, can I please have a smartphone? Well, um, it's interesting when you start to talk to people who really know the ins and outs of, of what this device, what the ramifications of owning this device are. Um, when you talk to like Jim Steyer, the president of Common Sense Media, uh, you know, you look at how a guy like Bill Gates, who knows a little bit about technology, how he kind of governed uh, device ownership within his own household you start to find a common denominator that a lot of these guys with their own kids, high school, 14 years old is roughly when they started getting this phone. I always tell parents, don't be in a rush to give them this device. It's not that this device is bad or evil, but um, I think 13 is a good minimum. And, and, and the reason why is when they get this device, one of the first things they want to do is they want to get social media. Well, most social media out there, you have to be 13 anyway to be able to get it or at least to get the full version so if they want the full version of of you know name it you know TikTok, instagram snapchat you know and, and there's all these snap for kids and these other social media that probably shouldn't be out there but those full versions you got to be 13 years old that's why any of those apps ask you uh to enter your birth date when you first sign up for it and a lot of kids of course just lie about their age because they want to get that real version of TikTok, want to get that Instagram, you know, and the pressure's on for your for kids to lie about their age. So, you know, for a lot of parents, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's good to just wait and say, I'll tell you what, hey, this is, you know, this is like a, a vehicle, you know, when you get to a certain age and you show certain maturity and responsibility and uh, we talk about it and, and you, you learn how to be responsible with this device, maybe we'll get you one but it's not something I'm just going to hand you at 10 years old. Mm, sure, sure. And especially the phone communication part of it, right? I know you also talk about different types of screens and, and, you know, like we've said, we have these tablets or computers maybe for learning purposes. I know my parents got my kids a Chromebook with our permission, but the Chromebook is still um, has all kinds of internet access. If we let it, we, we put some restrictions on there, of course, but 
that, you know, it's a different type of educational research device um, versus a connective phone. And I'm thinking, gosh, there's not many things that they couldn't do that they could do on a phone with a, a, a tablet and download games and things like that. So, so how do you talk to parents about restricting, is it about restricting the device itself or time and, and how can they work in healthy conversation instead of constant correction? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the key right there is having conversations about it. Um, it's, you know, our kids aren't going to necessarily just learn from our rules. Um, you know, they aren't going to learn from these lectures, um, but they, uh, you know, they will learn through dialogue where, where you know, a, a conversation is happening. And, and, and that's one of the reasons I wrote that book, Parenting Generation Screen, is to create some conversation pieces between uh, parents and kids. So if I, if I, in that book, have a chapter about why we shouldn't have our phone in our bedroom at night, um, I give all kinds of studies about um, how that affects us and, and how it affects our mental health and, and each hour of sleep loss, how much that affects our next day and, and affects how much we, how we feel about ourselves. And instead of just telling our parent, you know, instead of parents just telling kids, no, you can't have a device. Uh, I think it's better to be like, Hey, check this out. Look at, there's a study here. That's a, what do you think of this? And now all of a sudden you're reading a study and you're saying, what do you think of this study? And you kind of, you know, engage them in a dialogue, engage them in discussion about this so that they can actually have a conversation about it. And so and that's why I put, you know, questions uh, throughout the chapter of questions you can ask your kid. Uh, that book, The Guy's Guide to God, Girls, and Phone in Your Pocket. One of the reasons I wrote books like that, and I have a teen's guide to social media and mobile devices, and that's become a book that parents buy and to, when their kid's begging for a phone, okay, when you finish this, the teen's guide to social media, you finish this, this is your driver's ed manual, okay? Read this, yeah. you know, and then you can get a device. And, and the thing is, I put discussion questions at the end of every one of those chapters for those books for young people. And the reason why is I don't want parents just throwing that book at their kid. I want parents to say, hey, let's go to breakfast this Thursday and, and uh, re, you know, read like with that guy's guide, the chapters are like a page long. So it's, you know, say, hey, read your chapter every night before you go to bed, which takes like three minutes and choose one of the chapters and we'll talk about it at breakfast next Thursday. And you sit down with your son and you have a fun conversation about it. Same with the teen's guide to social media. You know, you could do the same thing. Here's a chapter about, you know, about predators. Um, have you ever talked with your kids about predators? Can they recognize predatory behavior? You know, this is some good stuff to talk about with our kids and we need to be in dialogue with them about it and talking because, um, yeah, and, and, and the thing is, I'm really getting back to your question. You say, you know, parents, uh, what do they do? It's funny, it, it, there's always this question of kind of like, okay, I've got a Chromebook model, this, that, what do I do with it? And it's kind of more like, how do I set this thing so that my kids won't find any junk, you know? And right. that seems right. to always be the question. And in all honesty, I say it's the wrong question because that device right here, you forgot about the fact that they've got an old eye touch in their room that you forgot they even had that connects to the internet and they're on TikTok on that eye touch because you were blocking your Chromebook. You know, so the thing is, yeah, it's good to make sure there's no screens in their bedroom, but I, I mean, I work with teenagers a long time. I hear these conversations all the time and teens are like, oh, don't worry, my parents have no idea I have that, you know? And I'm not saying all kids are bad and they're sneaking, whatever, but, you know, we can't just you know, try to block a device and think that, oh, it's good. It's taken care of. And I literally have some parents that are like, you know, oh, my kids 
they can't get on the device at all. They, I've blocked them at the router level. I've blocked every device <laughs> in the house. I, you know, and they sit there and they go through all the technology stuff. I'm talking some nerdy dads wearing Star Wars t-shirts that are telling me how well they blocked it. And I always just ask that nerdy dad, I say, hey, so um, do you ever let your kid outside? Do they, ever, <laughs> do they ever leave the dungeon or are they chained up? You know, it's like, oh, they do leave outside. Oh, they go to soccer practice. That's cool. So what's going to keep their friend from coming up and going, hey, check this out. You know, yeah. do you block your kid's friend's devices? Is there a drone flying above your kid's head that zaps their friends with lasers if they walk up with a device within five feet? See, we can't just block our kids' devices. We got to talk with them about it. And every piece of research you find about this says, hey, you know, you, you want the best porn blocks? It's not just putting some blocks on the Chromebook. It's talking with your kids about God's design for sex and intimacy. Mm. It's having a conversation with them about the truth. Sometimes we're so busy blocking the lies, we forget to talk about the truth. And I know that's a mistake I made in my parenting is I was kind of so focused on the blocks. And really what I should have been focused on is the conversations we're having with our kids. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't block the devices. If my eight-year-old had a Chromebook, I would pretty much give that Chromebook a lobotomy to where, oh, here's the three websites you need to be on for school. I will unblock those three. Nothing else can you do on the Chromebook. There, that's the block there. You know, it's not a matter of what you're blocking. It's literally, you know, for an eight-year-old, absolutely that's what I do. And, and then, and I really go through a lot of those kind of age limit things uh, in the book. And I talk about what about a 12 year old? What about a 14 year old? What about a 16 year old? Because obviously those are very different limits because as they're approaching adulthood, they should you know, uh, be able to earn trust and, and learn how to use those devices, hopefully before they leave the home. So they're not figuring out in a college dorm or in an army barracks all by themselves. Yes. Oh, so good. So much wisdom there. And I love that, Jonathan, that this is what your your point is here about it, most of the books that, that you've written. It's about having the conversation about that openness. I'm so glad that you made that differentiation for us because, yeah, I... I, I was on like defense mode, I think with most of my, I have two preteens right now, they're 11 and 12. And wow. so they have found, I will tell you the truth, they have found ways around our rules. They have um, looked over our shoulder at the password we were entering. Oh, yeah. They have uh, decoded passwords based on <laughs> things that we've used before. I'm like, okay, these kids are not dumb. And it's, and it made me think, gosh, is there is there so much maybe sin at the at the core of this that they're just being all fleshly all the time and it's like no it's human i mean i can't come yeah. down on my kids too hard we're all just human we all try to figure this out i got in plenty of trouble with a pager in the 90s okay so you were like, one of my youth group kids i could see that right there. what color was your pager green i bet right it was red it was oh, like a cherry yeah. red color. I yeah. still have it. Actually, my parents had it and I swiped it from them because I, I don't know why oh, they're awesome. saving it for the yeah, You got to frame that puppy. No, I'm glad you're being <laughs> so vulnerable and so honest because as yeah. parents, sometimes there is that almost that pressure to feel like I've, I've done this all right. And I look back at my parenting journey and I just... I can't believe all the mistakes I made. I, I mean, that's why my books are titled things like, you know, if I had a parenting do-over and, you know, confessions of an imperfect parent. <laughs> Thank uh, you. I, I feel like I messed this stuff up so badly. And, and it, it's funny, my new parenting generation screen, 
I spend a long time talking about passwords. And it's funny because parents are kind of like, duh, I know how to do passwords, but it's exactly what you shared. So many parents, either one, they, they, they forget about the fact that there's that one time where their hands are in the sink and they're doing dishes and their kid's like, mom, I need the password. And you don't really want to dry off your hands and go over yeah. to it. So you're like, okay, I'll tell you, it's... March 15th, you know, you know, 30315. And they're like, your birthday? Really, mom? Yeah. Okay. Just, but only use it this time. And then you forget that you gave it to them. And even if you do remember later to change it, you change it to your husband's birthday, December 10th, you know, and, and <laughs> guess what the kid's going to try next time. They're going to try every birthday, every anniversary, every whatever. And I literally coach parents on how to do passwords alone. And I, I say like, go outside, and randomly look like take a picture of your neighbor by his car in your phone so you have it you know of where he's like smiling and make sure that in the corner of the picture is his license plate number and make that your password so that so that you know you know random it's some random thing that there's no way your kids will guess you know um some phone number you had when you were a kid that your kids will not remember something that you know so random and because um, I mean, the password, th that's a huge part of, uh, you know, when you're, when you're trying to, you know, kind of block out some of these temptations to say it like guys, um, you know, when guys have a device available to them, uh, late at night, uh, the temptation for pornography is huge mm -hmm. and, and, and you can really help them out by just, uh, having some password protected, you know, I tell you your Netflix, your Amazon prime, all that kind of stuff should have really good passwords on it because kids will totally go downstairs and click, or when parents are gone, they'll click on those channels and parents are like, no, I've talked with my kid about this. It's nice to have those passwords as well. So you gotta have the conversations, but um, you know, do your best to, to block those devices. And I, and I talk about what that looks like in the book um, because you know it, it sometimes can just keep some of those temptations away. Is it foolproof? No, they can go to their friend's house and they can watch whatever they want. Very often that happens. Um, it's gotta be an ongoing conversation, um, but it's nice when, uh, you know, and I really think that leads to a good conversation about uh, devices in the bedroom. I, if there's one, if there's one guideline I could have with my kids today. Like if I could choose what, what's one rule I'd have, I'd just have no screens in the bedroom because that one thing night after night, them not having that temptation and them, you know, having to resort to reading books, you know, <laughs> picking up their Bible, talking with you as you, you know, put them to bed at night. Oh man, it's terrible stuff. You know, um, I think that's one of those things that, you know, I, I think it's great when I've seen parents that are just like, Hey, after nine at night or after eight at night or whatever, we're just going to shut off screens. We're going to shut everything down, you know, and we'll charge them in our bedroom. It's a free service we provide as mom and dad. We will charge your devices for you. You know, uh, don't worry. Don't worry. No cost to you whatsoever. We will charge that for you and give you a fresh device in the morning. And um, it's just a favor we can do our kids because that way they're not distracted by the pressure to measure up every night on social media, distracted by images they don't need to be looking at. So keep those devices out of the bedroom. Mm, very good. Very good. Now, again, this uh, latest book is called Parenting Generation Screen, Guiding Your Kids to Be Wise in a Digital Age. So we're learning about the screens themselves, the tendencies, the, the psychological effects it has on us as human beings, um, and also just how to walk out the wisdom in, in having the privilege of, 
a piece of technology. So that's what we're trying to communicate with our kids here. Thank you, Jonathan, for that. Um, can you um, can we end this interview right now with just one maybe of your favorite stories of parents who have taken this advice and have implemented it? And what does their family life look like now because of it? Wow, that's a good question. That's a very unique question. Um, I think, you know, it's funny, I, I can think of different times where like parents will come up to me at the at my back table after a workshop and talk with me. I always find it fun when I go back to a city where I spoke at before. And last year, uh, at the beginning of the year, I was uh, in Texas and I remember a dad coming up to me and I had been at the same church the year prior and he walks up and he just, and he was like, almost like a tear in his eye. And he was just like, Hey man, I just, I just want to tell you, thanks. And I was like, for, for what? <laughs> you know, I'm like, what I do? <laughs> you know? And, and he says, no, just thanks. Thanks for your, for your workshop last year and stuff. He goes, man, I think he goes, my, our relationship with our daughters just is so much better. And, and I'm like, well, what, 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 I'm like, what did I say? So I can make sure and say it again. Cause I, you know, I, I want to know what this piece of wisdom is. He says, no, just the whole thing about, uh, not, you know, overreacting with your kids and, and, and uh, replacing overreaction with interaction. And uh, specifically, um, they had a kid that was, I think, 14 going on 15, and they still hadn't let her have a phone. And in the workshop, I just really um, encouraged them to uh, look at the calendar. On one hand, it's funny, um, you know, there's a lot of parents who give their kids devices really young age, and, I'm, and my advice is always wait wait, wait as long as possible, wait till high school. But when you, once you get to like that freshman year of high school, my advice is usually um, find a way to start a dialogue with them. Um, you know, and if they're asking for a phone, um, let them earn that privilege, you know, uh, finish this book. Let's, let's go out and meet and talk about this. Let's, you know, show me the responsibility. And um, I told them, I said, hey, if, if your kid's 15, 16, the I'm not saying, you know, they should have a phone, but what I'm saying is just make sure you keep your eye on the calendar. Make sure you keep your eye on the calendar and realize that this kid at age 18 could be out of the house and could be, like we mentioned earlier, across the country in a college dorm or living on their own. And at that point, they're going to be making decisions on their own. And the only question we really should be asking as parents is, are we equipping them for that day? Are we equipping them to make these healthy decisions on their own? And so I really challenged the parents that night with that. And I said, think about that. Are we just blocking them and trying to block them from all these things? Or are we equipping them to make these decisions? So this dad told me, man, that was powerful. And for me, I went home and we talked with our daughter and she was really getting upset at us because she was literally the only one in her whole friend group who didn't have a phone. And she was starting to think we, there was something wrong with us. And she was really bitter and resentful. And my wife and I prayed about it. And we thought that we were wrong in that. And she was kind of showing trust in a lot of these areas. And so we told her, hey, you know what? Um, you know, we'd like to get you a phone. I said, so, so I was like, so tell me, what would you do? He goes, we did exactly what you said. We said, as soon as you finish this book, um, you can get a phone. And so I said, so did she read it in a day? He goes, no, I made her read it with me. So they met and they went through the team's guide, to social media and mobile devices. And um, he said they had some great conversations about everything from what are you posting, uh, thinking before you post to um, who's reading those posts and predatory behaviors and uh, some of the temptations of the entertainment you're viewing, all that kind of stuff. Said great conversations. 
And he says that she earned that phone. She has a phone and he says, our relationship is so much better. Not because we gave in and gave her what she wanted. He goes, but, but because we opened up those doors of dialogue. And he, and he just looked at me and said, thank you. And, and I was like, hey, I'm glad you, you know, learn that now. I said, because I messed that up personally. So, so good for you. I'm so glad. And, 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 and it's moments like that are, that are fun. When we see parents that are engaged in their kids in conversation um, and teach them to become screen wise. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you, Jonathan, for this incredibly encouraging conversation. Gosh, I, I thought I had uh, read a few books already on, on screen time and limits and, you know, there's these conversations going on everywhere, but you really hit a lot of these topics on the head. I can't wait to go through your books with my kids. I mean, oh, this awesome. is what I think we've been looking for and waiting for. And I, I hope that parents, uh, if you're listening, watching, that you begin to evaluate your screen time with your kids at home and maybe it'll it'll affect your own screen time. I mean, I know I can get lost on social media a lot. I this I do this as a job and I still get sidetracked on social media. So it's still um, a very intentional thing that we need to choose um, for our family, for our kids, for the health of their their mental health, their psychological well-being, and their spiritual well-being as they grow. So thank you once again. This has been uh, the Practical Family Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Bryant, and you've been listening to my interview with Jonathan McKee, author of Parenting Generation Screen, Guiding Your Kids to Be Wise in a Digital World. You can check out that link and other links in our show notes. Thank you for being with us, Jonathan. We appreciate it. Thank you. You've been listening to the Practical Family Podcast with Jennifer Bryant, episode 111, How to Equip Your Kids to Be Wise with Technology, and our special guest, Jonathan McKee. You can take advantage of Jonathan's excellent resources and other books at becomingscreenwise.com. Jonathan is also a sought-after speaker if you ever want to have him to your youth group or any gathering of parents who you think may need some special inspiration in this subject area. I know that I do. I uh, have a few of his books now, and we are definitely going to go through them and read through them with our kids or have our kids read them before they get their own devices. So whatever you have taken from this episode, just know that, you know, God's timing is perfect. And however you're being led to address this technology situation with your kids, remember to stop and pray and ask God for wisdom, no matter what you decide to do first. You know, we are a new generation parenting in this new age of fast and growing technology. So we are learning. Have some grace for yourself and use episodes like this, actually share episodes like this with your friends and family to help them to know that they're not alone in the struggle to raise responsible kids. Thanks again for listening to the Practical Family Podcast. Be sure to like us and follow on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, and now our new YouTube channel. I'm Jennifer Bryant and always here to help to encourage you parents, mamas, discover your gifts and embrace the grace that God's given you on this wonderful and beautiful journey of parenthood.